Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, I got to tell you, as I always do, this particular segment, uh, the last Wednesday of every month when we bring Pete Wood in with Let the Sawdust Fly, tends to be one of our most listened to uh, segments ever. Oh, and uh, Pete, before I... uh, and before I turn the uh, show over to you and your guests there this morning, I have to uh, beat my chest a little bit. Uh, Kenny informed me this morning. See, we have 80-some stations in the Midwest Communications Network, and we compete against each other a little bit uh, on our podcasts. Our, our podcasts are put up so that people can listen to them anytime they want. For example, when loggers are out in the woods today during, you know, making their living, they can come home tonight Tune in to our podcast and pick up the Let the Sawdust Fly segment. Well, guess what? Our podcast has now moved up to number six most listened to in the entire Midwest Communication Network. Wow. Impressive, See, Brad. So, you, so you're doing big time here now, uh, Peter. <laughs> I'm on once a month. You're on here one hour out of the month, which is roughly 60 hours you're on. So I'm 159th of what you're doing. <laughs> you're, that's well, incredible that you're that high up with all those radio stations oh, competing against. Oh, my God. That's impressive. I'll tell you. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, we for, are, uh, uh, are you ready for cool. a little bit of a walk here, Brad? Because uh, I am. Yes. I've been working on this. Folks, uh, something I've been wanting to do for a few years, actually, and it's finally where things are starting to line up. It took a lot of work to get to this point. I got to back up a little bit here, so so bear with me on this introduction a little bit here with me, folks. Okay, and the thing is, is that uh, working at it like that, I have to back up some, and and the reason why is that this is going to be a probably a three to four show series on what we're going to talk about because there's so much here and we're talking with uh we've got in studio native american donna bergstrom and it took she's helped me with a lot of stuff here also a few other people i've been talking to help with a lot of stuff and what we've um what i've known for years probably 15 20 years and some just lately i've been let me back that up just a hair more when, when I was a child growing up, you always thought that other people were smarter, were better, more intelligent. And it took a long time, well, partially because of a childhood accident, but that's another story, that you never measured up. You didn't have the knowledge, you didn't have the understanding, and other people were smarter and better. And it took a long, long time to get past that. It was like late 20s, early 30s to finally get past that where you started realizing, well, they're not as smart as I thought. They're not as good as I thought. And it took a long time to get that point. And it's understanding history and understanding what works and what doesn't work. And if if you really, folks, if you really want to know the truth of what really works, you'll find it. You just got to be willing to search for it. And it took a long time to figure out some of the things. And, and like when I used to go to like schools and talk to classrooms and talk, you'd have your students there. And a lot of times there would be not just the teacher from that class in the back, but it'd be teachers from other classrooms in the back listening. 
And then there would be some parents. A lot of times there's more than one parent want to come and listen about the timber industry. And I only stuck with the timber industry because that's what I know about. I didn't want to get off on other tangents. And I remember this one parent one time asking the question, and when you're in that situation, when a, when a student or a teacher or a parent asks a question, you don't want to make fun out of them. You want it to be a sincere question. And I always come to the conclusion that there's no bad questions or dumb questions. There's only dumb, bad answers from the one up front that's speaking. And what a person knows from my standpoint is I thought everybody knew this stuff, but when she asked this one question, it was a legitimate question. It started to really click inside that a lot of people don't really know. And through this format and through it, folks with this series going on, if you don't catch a soul, if you could share the podcast with other folks and share it across the nation, because it is going to take three to four months show, three to four shows. So it's three to four months and we'll hopefully wrap it up at that time. We've never done that here on this segment. But the, the, the mother asked the question, can we still grow the big white pines? And, and it was almost like, what? And I, I just answered very nicely. <laughs> it's, it's like you could have fun with that, but I didn't. I just said, absolutely. Yes, we can. I said, what you got to do is you have to plant the tree. And then uh, there's a lot of grooming. And that's what we're going to be talking about a lot with uh, Donna and that about grooming and that, the, the forest and that. But I said, you plant the tree and wait two, three, four, maybe four hundred years, and you'll have a beautiful white pine. And and folks think that once you plant that tree or trees, all you have to do is back up and it happens. Well, no, there's 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 nurturing, there's trimming. When you have a house and you have a yard, grass, flower bed. When you plant all that stuff, do you just sit back and do nothing? It's it's perfect. It's mowed. You don't have to do nothing. Well, if you do absolutely nothing, don't touch it at all, you're going to have tall grass. You're going to have weeds everywhere. And come next spring, you're going to have a good fire danger there, real good fire danger, plus all the rodents that come into those places. You have to manicure it. The forests are the same way. We have to manicure them. We have to take care of them. What took place to get those beautiful big white pines here? That was one of the questions, because I remember one time, bear with me here on this, because it's, it's going to be lengthy on what we're going to be talking about over the next three, four, is my dad told me one time when he was a kid, he went out in the woods and he laid across a stump, and he said he laid flat, and his head and his feet didn't touch either end of the stump. It was that big of a tree. So, well, I, Peter, I was, I was just going to mention what you're talking about. I was thinking a lot about the other day when I heard about this fire out in California that is getting very, very close to some of the old-time sequoias out there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's not the sequoias that are causing the fires. It's all the unattended underbrush that is just let grown wild that nobody is is calling out. Nobody is uh, is getting out there and removing some of this potential fire danger yep. for the trees. Yep, and that's why with Donna, and we're going to have other folks coming in in the future to explain what has taken place over years that that people thought, well, before, before European settlers, it just did a natural thing. Well, that's not true. There was folks here, Native Americans, that were managing things for thousands of years. That is difficult to find where one of those cases would be is 
I thought other people knew all this stuff, and you find out that they didn't. The, the, the fires are coming more and more. And at the end of the series, I'm going to tell you how we could actually maybe name these fires, and maybe it will start changing people's attitude or the right people start doing something about it. But that's for later on, so you've got to keep listening to the shows. What I've come up with with how to maybe start changing people's attitude about it is what we can start naming these fires. But with that long introduction, have Donna here, who, who is from Duluth area, but is a Red, Red Laker, <laughs> we call yeah. Red Laker, yeah. a, a Native American. And I didn't know Donna that long, but I knew her dad back, uh, I'm going to shout out to Leroy out there. I hope you're listening, Leroy, her dad. And he used to work at Potlatch at the paper mill, and I used to see him on a regular basis and say hello. And he was a great guy, sure. and he, he's retired now. But Donna is his daughter, and Donna, it's great to have you here. Yes, good morning. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, good morning Donna. Morning, good morning. Yes, it's great to be in studio. Thank you, Peter, for inviting me on here uh, today and for delving into this very dense topic. I was very happy to um, be part of the research team to help bring this information to your listeners. Um, I think you're going to find this very fascinating and really interesting. Uh, we thought it was going to be one show, and as we started to parse it out, we realized how dense the topic was, and um, I think we're going to have three or four shows on this. How yep, it's going to take a while on this one. It'll take a while. So I was very happy to have been asked to be on here. Many of you probably know me as a military member, Semper Fi Brad. Semper Fi to you. Yeah. But we got our we got our birthday coming up in just a month or so, Donna. Yes, we do. And I'm getting to the point where I'm almost one of the older or maybe even the oldest Marine, so I might have to be eating the cake pretty soon. <laughs> But I'm here today really talking from uh, my my Native American background. Uh, many of you may remember that my mom was born and raised on the Red Lake Reservation. So uh, she was 100% Indian, is 100% Indian, and um, grew up in that culture. And um, really raised us uh, kids also in that same vein. And with dad being part of the forestry network, having worked at Potlatch for, I think, over 30 years, um, I'm very much a product of our, our our environment and our our paper industry, our logging industry, our forestries. So this is a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, so I was very happy to be part of this and, and launch into it with Peter. So, Well, great, Don. I'm glad you were willing to do this. And we do have other people lined up, but for today it's just going to be Don and myself in here. But we do have people lined up with other, I guess, tribal members, correct? Correct, yeah, correct. Yeah. And yes. not just Minnesota, other states. So it's been a bit of a bit of work to get to this point to talk about what we want to talk about. So bear with us as we explain things as we go here. We're going to come back with Peter Wood and Donna Bergstrom and talk, start talking about this segment that's going to take maybe four times to get up to date on forestry and history of logging in Minnesota. So we'll be right back. Giant Redwood, Larch, the Fir. The mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. On Wednesday I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. 
Oh, my. I don't know how many times I've heard that, Peter, but I have to laugh every time I hear it. Every time it brings a smile, brings a smile. But, uh, folks, uh, what with Donna hearing that and Brad, thanks. Um, a lot with all the wire, like Brad was saying out in California, with all the wildfires, they're, folks, they're called wildfires for a reason because they're out of control and you can't control them. That fuel load has built up so much over so many years, and it's building here in the Midwest too, where when the fire starts, you can't control it. Where, what if you, what if, what if in the past, folks, think on this, day, what if they had fires going on a regular basis out of control? to control the fuel load. What if that was true? Because I remember as a child growing up and every spring in the rural communities, we would have controlled burns of burning the tall grass, the swamp grass. You got rid of the, we never heard of Lyme's disease. We never heard of ticks like that because when you burnt that grass, you got rid of a lot of those pesty things. And you would see that along the county roads, highways, and it was controlled. And I remember doing as a kid, and you would spread the fire, and I thought I had the greatest job in the world spreading that fire. I couldn't believe it. Well, they were using young kids so that you wouldn't, the older ones wouldn't have to walk as much. But you would control it, and it would burn areas, you know, 10 acres, 20, 30 acres or whatever, and then it would go out, and the fire danger for that year was at a zero in those spots, okay? And, 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 the, and the indigenous people, they were doing that same thing for thousands of years and donna you want to hit on some of that stuff because of history on that yes absolutely so for centuries um indigenous people have lived in harmony with fire so how about this concept fire is medicine and um, our indigenous practices could help curb wildfires because we've always practiced this um management forest management that included a fire culture Um, and if you remember in 2020 it was a record year for wildfires in america where almost nine million acres were burned which was double the number from the year before so what the question is that we're asking now is can integrating some of these cultural practices that native americans have used for centuries help our contemporary wildfire management practice? And the answer that many people around the country um, are saying to that question is yes. What can we do and how is it that it has been done? So many people um, from many different tribes um, across the nation are doing just that. And remember, there are four... 574 federally recognized tribes across the nation and um, 11 right here in Minnesota. And so we, you know, can even just look right here to Minnesota. Um, Leech Lake, for example, and Grand Portage, they do prescribed and controlled burns. And they do that because that's part of their forest management plan. And we're hearing um, through different research uh, through government agencies that they realize that it, it has been a mistake, which has been pretty much the federal policy, um, I think we're going to talk about that in a couple of the segments, but um, to really exclude fire from the forestry uh, management plan and that it's, it's, it's really taken these raging wildfires to kind of point out that th- that was a terrible mistake and we need, to, we need to take a different approach. So I really applaud those that are looking around to say what else can we do and how can we do it. Well, Donna, do you have any, uh, do you have any background or history on how the Native American tribes would do it? Would they actually start like little brush fires like we do today to burn off uh, underbrush and stuff? Or 
uh, or was there a different procedure in, in place? Yes, and you know it would vary across the nation, of course, depending upon the ecology of the of the area. But take for example the grasslands of the south; it was a generally practiced that they would burn segments of the land um, to control the big wildfires, and then also to promote that um, growth that they needed for the new and next generation of, of, of landscape. Um, it would also help uh, promote habitat for quails and another um, birds in that area that they needed for their food. So it was right. it was a harmony type approach, and it was done with respect to the land and um and it was done in a way that the the people really treated it as an as a as a approach um like medicine we need the lands to sustain us and we'll we'll take care of you you take care of us so it was very much a balanced approach to this um but the but the whole mindset i think about fire purposeful fire needs to change because we have been told over and over smoky bear which of course we know wildfires are not good but um this whole mindset that you know fires are not part of our management plan i think we need to kind of turn that on its head and say how do we do this so that we can have really healthy forests and um, fire, I think, is right. one of those areas that we need to embrace. I don't know if any of you guys uh, saw some of the videos out of Australia, but they've had some terrible wildfires down there, too. And it's been it's been really uh, painstaking to see, uh, like, they've gone through some of the areas after the fires have gone through, and they've found half-burned koala bears hanging onto trees and I mean, just uh, terrible, disgusting things that uh, that could have been controlled had they kept a healthy uh, forest floor. I mean, uh, it pains me in the in the spring to drive up even uh, Haynes Road up towards the mall or or a Trinity. You go up up the side hill there, about uh, through the big bend. And you see all these areas before the uh, leaves come out on the trees. You see all this downed wood everywhere, broken like like uh, pickup sticks across the floor. And you just wonder why we couldn't let people go in there and clean some of that up. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it make a healthier forest all around? It, yeah, I would say that's certainly something to investigate as well. And, you know, what we say with our indigenous um, practices is that, you know, we depend on these landscapes for our lives and our livelihood. Yeah. I'm sure Australia would say the same thing. And, you know, we we even have research that um, different um, uh, researchers are doing across the country that they're looking at fire burn uh, marks on trees. So they've gone in and looked to see, okay, this tree had a fire burn history, um, you know, 100, 200, 300 years ago. So we know that fire was practiced and was part of our culture right. throughout and that, and that it was embraced. Well, Peter, when we left to go to the Fox News break, we were just starting to discuss uh, how some of the Native American tribes have been thinning out the forest, making for a healthy forest for years. You want to continue on down that line? Yeah, that'd be great, Brad. Um, They would... when. We used to burn grass and shrubs. What's happening like in Australia and California and all over the country is 
that stuff has been set to the side for quite a few years, quite a few years. And, and the trees are like our growth, and the growth is a fuel load, and the fuel load keeps getting bigger and bigger. When we used to burn, I remember as a child, all the stuff was right around your knees or so height, probably for a child, it was around your hip height, and it was all down low. And now these that has grown up so much, and now this this fire load is way over everybody's heads. <laughs> but it's it's it keeps growing and growing. And and Donna's got some great information about uh, what's 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 going on in like Australia and California, and that they're starting to see what we're talking about, what we've known for many many years. Right, Donna? Good. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, I just wanted to point out too, in the indigenous worldview, you know. We view people as being a force for good and for regeneration on the land, and that's a perspective I think that we could all share and now. We desperately need it. We all can be helpful um, to our earth. But earlier we were talking about Australia, and one of the programs that we uh, looked up and found out about was in Northern California, where the partners in that area actually developed a plan that was originated by the Aboriginal people in Australia to craft a five-year strategic healthy country or healthy forest plan. And um, so you can see that Australia had traditionally a fire management plan. Um, I'm not sure what happened to that, but um, it perhaps is something that their country is revisiting now to help them with their wildfires. What if if they were, Donna, what if ever thought of this way, what if they were regulated out of doing it? Well, that's a possibility too, yes. You know, people from their capitals or uh, D.C., where they think they know more what's better for the land at a couple thousand miles away than what you do right here? Right. And, you know, even here in America, we saw that with our um, Wildlife Management Plan, our Wildlife Act, um, with the federal government, you know, they, they did put in practices that they believed when the act was passed um, were helpful and and pertinent to keeping our forests healthy. But what we're finding now is that even some of those um, management plans in there, which includes no logging on federal um, lands, is not helpful. No, logging is very much burning works in the right places, but we still have to have the harvesting of trees because even if you went back a thousand years, two thousand years, three thousand, whatever, pick the year, they were those folks back then were utilizing the they're utilizing the tr- forests of the trees as well. Even remember when we used to have the big ships coming, the wooden ships coming to the Duluth Arbor here, where they were made out of wood. It came from trees somewhere at one time. So man has been using the forest products since beginning of time. It's just that when you start regulating it, and then it starts building the the, the trees are going to keep growing, folks. Like I said in the past. And and when you eliminate that, now the trees get over your height and pretty soon bigger and bigger. And now you got a huge fuel load. And where you regulate more, it starts to have problems more. Yes, that's that's correct. And I think what we're seeing across our our nation now, just specifically to um, the United States, is there are um, is that there are, are networks that are being formed to help uh, promote this idea of indigenous fire cultural practices, forest management, healthy 
plans for our forests. And one of them in particular that I wanted to point out was the Indigenous Peoples Burning Network and um, the partnership that they have with several tribes across the nation, one of which is our own Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe here in Minnesota. And the purpose of, of that agreement is for them to learn. It's, it's a learning network and to help promote um, good fire practices, fire training, um, and do the culturally-based controlled burns and, and, and promote that intergenerational learning. Because you remember many of these things um, – weren't necessarily taught in schools or in college, um, which is where many of our kids are now. So it has to be an intergenerational learning network. Um, but that said, we know that some of our colleges now are even incorporating some of the indigenous practices of our fire culture and fire training. So that's, I think, really exciting. And their, their plan, um, the Indigenous Peoples Burning Network, is to grow the network um, so that federal agencies and local projects are are worked hand in hand so we do have i think the word is best practices um, what's going to work best for the management of forests in particular areas mm-hmm. well guys uh guys let me ask you a question uh do you think that it might be that uh we've as a society we might think we've gotten too smart for the old ways and sometimes the old ways are maybe just the best way Ah, that's where it comes back to, do you want to know the truth on things? Or are you going to just keep telling yourself a lie over and over again, you think it's the truth? Uh, That's a communistic style. You just keep telling lies and lies, and hopefully it's got to be true. Everybody's talking about it. Well, you can look around, drive around. Like like folks, this this past summer, I've, I've been on the road a little bit here and there, like I've been over to Grand Rapids, Bemidji, down 169, over to Green Bay, over to Escanaba, to Logging Show, which was a very good show. And then everywhere I went, I was always looking for logging job sites. I specifically looked for them. And I bet all those miles I put on, all that forest, it was all forest. I could count on one hand how many job sites I saw that were actually harvested at one time. We're still, the trees are still growing at an enormous rate, and that fuel load is building. What's happened in California and come to the upper Midwest extremely easy. Look at the drought that we had this summer. Okay. Look at the problems that we have. What if, yep. what if, folks, what if you think of it this way? No, just think on it this way. What if the huge fires are causing some of this global warming and all those little fires that used to be controlled by the Native Americans back two, three, four hundred years ago? What if those were keeping the climate intact? What if that? Mm. What if the, the ground itself started getting used to the fires burning and creating a soil that needed that burn. What if you needed the trees to harvest? It got it. And now when you stop it, it's like it's like somebody that's eating and eating and eating, and they're getting bigger and bigger, and you think, they got to explode here pretty quick. What if it was that way, where instead of burning on a regular basis and you got the controlled burns, not the wildfires? That's why we call them wildfires, wildly out of control, where we had the control burns hundreds of years ago thousands of years ago and that soils got used to it and now if you don't it causes a major problem the other way right and i would say in in, you know the forest services decision in 1911 that really sort of promoted this idea that a fire is bad and you needed to put it out right away that all fires sparked on the landscape yeah. were bad and they should be extinguished as soon as possible but we're we're coming around and that's why i said i think it's that change in mindset that um, this this fire 
is a natural part of our American habitat and we need to embrace it um, is starting to change. Um, maybe from the ground up, maybe federal policy will follow. Um, but we have seen that with these prolonged droughts, the, the dense and dry underbrush can, you know, light quickly and then the fire spreads throughout because you have that, that dense undergrowth. So we need to change the show, story and show that there is a, a, a good fire, um, if you will, and um, that it's part of a bigger strategy to keep our forests healthy. Well, I, you know, Peter, you had a very uh, interesting point there. What if uh, the, the way they used to take care of the woods actually kept uh, global warming down? But what about this? I've often thought today we have all of these insects and creatures that we've got problems with now like uh, ash borer and things like that that we didn't seem to have in the past and i'm wondering just as a sidelight just uh what if what if a lot of this was caused because there is so much dead timber on the floor of the forest that has either been blown over with uh, wind or just natural causes that become a fire danger, but maybe they also become an easy place for uh, boars and ticks and other things to congregate and continue to grow there as well. Very, very much so, Brad. Brad, I think, uh, folks, how about, how about look at your own house, look at your own buildings. If you don't ever clean it, do spiderwebs start to show up? If you don't ever oh, mop yeah. it, do you get dust balls? Okay, that means you have stuff in your house all the time. Spiders just don't build a nest there and disappear. Critters don't show up and just vanish. It's it's managing it. And so even if you looked at your own house, you could see that if you don't take care of anything, you're going to have major problems. You, It's an ongoing process. And that's why I was, I was so happy when Donna was willing to do this and we got other people lined up for the next shows unless something happens, but the plan is to go more shows so they can see people can get another snapshot of what really goes on. It's like kind of like riding an airplane and you see one side, but the other side shows other things. If <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying, you, you got if and the folks who are driving out there, you can you can look for yourself. If we're telling the truth and you look, it's going to show up one way or another. And and okay. and and like what like what these four major forest fires, it's spewing out how much energy or toxic stuff or what we want to call it. How about, remember, remember you'd have to be back in 1980 when Mount St. Helens blew up? And oh, even, my God. Even here in Minnesota, we used to get that dust on our cars. You know, you could wipe it. And sure. It, we're what? we got to be close to 2,000 miles away. That had to put so much more in the air. And people get excited while we're cutting down trees. You harvest, you plant trees for the next generation. You harvest trees for this generation. We're planting trees all Amen. the time. We're harvesting trees all the time. And if you think, well, I don't really need a nice house and that, do you use toilet paper? Look what happened six months ago or a year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. People got yeah. excited and almost getting in fistfights over toilet paper? Oh, yeah. Huh. They were getting in fistfights. That's ridiculous. Use a corn cob if you're against logging. 
<laughs> oh, oh my god <laughs> well you know i think uh, not not this cowboy yeah <laughs> newspaper newspaper paper products we love it i did want to just mention too because we were talking about some of the practices around the country and um so one i wanted to point out was that in california they're now starting to work better with the native communities and the burn practices of the of the tribes out in that area but the state senate actually out in california passed a bill that would remove financial liability if under certain certain circumstances yeah. a prescribed burn um, caused extended damage so there, there needs to be that partnership that's good stuff donna that that really is good we have to take our last break of the hour and then we're going to come back to you guys to wrap up the segment wd sometime 9 56 59 degrees in duluth and uh, we're going to warm up as we go along here brad but uh, maybe not near lake superior a little bit cooler well, we are back with uh, Peter and Donna. We have a few minutes left before the uh, show wraps up. Uh, you guys want to give us a little bit of a preview about what, how you're going to continue this process? Uh, uh, maybe show, maybe or? we can. Uh, uh, we have lined up um, somebody, a tribe from Wisconsin. Hopefully they can make her. But Menominee and how we're going to explain how they're tied to the NBA with some of their product, which is pretty exciting. And uh, remember, folks, it all comes from the forest, one way or another. It only comes from three spots, either from mining, logging, or farming. I think it's going to be very exciting to talk next uh, segment um, on some of the for- how forest management you know works out um, yep. in an entrepreneurial way and how exciting it can be. And um, one of the things that I learned in this research is um, – Basically, that the tribes were not wrong in uh, their forest management and fire culture practices. And I think that's the mindset that people are starting to embrace now is that um, it's a whole different frame of mind to think that fire is purposeful and that um, we can work together, you know, at the state, tribal, federal level to make all this come together. To make the forest work for everybody. It's not just one side or two sides. It's we want to make it work. So we plant trees for generations and generations and generations and so what happened in arizona they're starting to find out that i guess they were the tribe was right about how to manage the forest at the time but remember folks here also we have 300 some million people in the united states population back many years ago there was not as big a population so in order to maintain that and have a healthy we have to maintain it for that many more people and it can be done we can even handle way more this even in if you just took minnesota we could increase our harvest m- more than one or two times over and not catch it not catch it well we peter uh peter let me just say this i think uh, you showed with your guest this morning uh, donna bergstrom again uh a reason why uh I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why she can't get elected to office here in northern Minnesota. You have a wonderfully intelligent woman that is a member of a band of Ojibwe, a Native American tribe. She's a a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps. She's got all the pluses that Democrats usually like to vote for, and yet they refuse to vote for her simply because she ran on a Republican ticket. It's just... Never stops, never fails to amaze me. But uh, I hope you bring her on again because I think she's a delight. And you, of course, Peter, bring such unbelievable good information about the logging industry to our listeners that uh, we uh, say goodbye to you for this time. But we'll uh, talk to you again in a month.